On this episode of That Was a Show. Hey, have you guys watched Townies? Even before it starts, how bad are the establishing shots in this? <laughs> I don't understand it because like this aired. <laughs> this aired. What's with his blazer too? It looks too big. It looks It's a nineties blazer, man. They yeah. didn't fit. <laughs> Double breasted. Yeah. Two sizes too big. Oh. Here it comes. Oh, and there she yeah. is. With the towel over her shoulder, <laughs> as she has to have. Yeah. She didn't say honey or sugar, but. I'm sure she does in another she, episode. Yeah, she yeah. had 16 more episodes. <laughs> but first, a word from the hosts. We recorded the episode you're about to hear back in late April during peak COVID-19 lockdown, with the three of us connecting over Zoom. Now that we're finally releasing this episode, we're still social distancing and want to encourage everyone to stay safe. These are challenging times, but we'll get through this. Be kind to yourself and to everyone else. We're all in this together. We also continue to stand in support of the ongoing protests for racial justice, and we hope that we can all work toward building a new normal, a better normal, from all of this. Now let's share a few laughs about a truly ridiculous show. And stay tuned for our commercial break. Remember when sitcoms had commercial breaks? Because we're going to announce our very first contest. Cold Open. We grew up during peak sitcom. Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince. But those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were cancelled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this responsible social distancing episode of That Was a Show. I'm Aaron Yeager, and I'm here with my co-host, Bryn Burney. Hi, it's me, Bryn. I'm here right next to Aaron. And if you didn't pick up on it on our previous episodes, we're a married couple. So that's why we're able to be in the same room together. Exactly. As for our close friend and other co-host, Barry, we're going to bring him in over the phone. Hello. Hey, Barry. Hey, what's going on, guys? Not much. It's good to see you, friend. It is nice that video chat exists. Yeah. yeah. It's really it's, made uh... all of this a little more bearable. Mm -hmm. It really. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody is... Definitely starting to experience how much, because I have never, I, I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. I, up until two weeks ago, I had never used a webcam. Not once. Wow. I had ne not a single time. Wow. wow. We're very lucky to have a lot of services and people and wonderful resources to help us through this otherwise totally ridiculous and weird and scary time. I was able to watch an ungodly amount of this show we're talking about today. Uh, so on that note. On that note. Good, <laughs> nice casual segue. Great, exactly. Great segue. 
Uh, Bryn, why don't you tell us about townies? Yeah, so today's episode is dedicated to the 1996 masterpiece called Townies. It was a sitcom that premiered on ABC in September 1996. It was created by Matthew Carlson, who had previously been a writer for The Wonder Years and had created two other short-lived sitcoms, Camp Wilder and The Boys Are Back. Was third time a charm for Maddie Carlson? Evidently not. (laughs) They made 15 (laughs) episodes of Townies, but it was canceled after 10 and only 10 aired. (laughs) The show is set in... Let's start again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Gloucester. Gloucester. Glo- Gloucester. They say Gloucester. Gloucester. I would just why don't you just say Massachusetts? <laughs> Indeterminate distance from Boston. Gloucester. I'm just gonna say Gloucester. It's fine. We're gonna lose our entire Massachusetts fan base on yeah. this one episode. Yeah. It's a small fishing town somewhere near Boston. And the titular townies are three girlfriends working in a seafood restaurant. They're played by, wait for it, Molly Ringwald, Jenna Elfman, and Lauren Graham. Also rounding out the main cast are Bill Burr and Ron Livingston. And of course, we can't forget our girl, Conchetta Farrell. (laughs) She's nobody's aunt, but she might as well be. And her name is Marge, because of course it is. Of course it is. In the pilot, it's not very heavy-handed. It's basically just the lead-up to and the eventual wedding of two of the characters, Ryan and Denise, and how the cast is dealing with it. And we sort of get to know the three girls, Carrie, Denise, and Shannon, and get to know about their lives and their friendship dynamic. They have a brief falling out at uh, near the end and then come back together for the big event. And it's a bold choice to open a series with a wedding episode right off the top. I was thinking <laughs> that exact same thing. Yeah. How much that was that would infuriate any producer where they were just like, yeah. oh, great. Let's keep this pilot cheap. Let's fucking throw a wedding. Yeah. With, let's- and they don't even show it. <laughs> like, no, no. They just have this weird silent montage with, I guarantee- uh, no, but with I- Natalie Merchant playing. With sentimental music, whereas <laughs> yeah. we don't know who any of the, like, we barely know who any of these people are. We don't yeah. care about the fact that they're getting married. There's no, like, feelings to be felt. But in the first of... What is going to be 700 references to friends in this uh, yeah. in yeah. this episode? Friends also starts with a wedding, but yeah. friends also wisely chooses to ignore it. Yeah. The wedding does not happen on screen. Yeah. Instead, they use Rachel in a wedding dress as a visual, and right. that's it. Yeah. yeah. And they, yeah, they could have done that, but instead they chose to shoot an entire wedding sequence and then edit it together really weirdly and, yeah. I was telling you guys that like because I watched this and it reminded me of it so much I'm like I need to watch the pilot for friends because I'm like I remember just being like that's a pilot that works and like the thing that struck me about it is like they do a lot of the exact same things like yeah they introduce just as many characters who have just as much backstory with each other they have a lot of comedic moments but then they also balance them with dramatic moments as well and it just works in friends and I think one of it is because friends overall is like all right well we got to make sure to be funny yes yeah. yes <laughs> thank you <Yeah>. yes <laughs> 
So, Bryn, why don't you tell us why you chose Townies? So I chose Townies because I remember it from when it originally aired. I enjoyed this show as an 11-year-old. It had all the things I wanted. It had, like, you know, young people. I was very fascinated with not only teenagers at the time, but young adults who were out being independent and working and dating and doing all those things. And I was very fascinated. Of so course. I watched I watched all that content. You know, I watched Friends. I watched Townies. I watched all of it. So <coughs> I and I also, you know, of course, uh, got into the whole hype of it's Molly Ringwald's first venture back into like a lead role in a very long time because of course she was the John Hughes darling of the 80s and you know was finally gonna get to be you know the star of a show after like several years so she was no stranger to heavily sexist writing exactly <laughs> good point but, <laughs> uh yeah so basically I watched it I liked it I didn't know any better. It's, uh, I mean, okay. So where do we even begin? Well, I mean, this show, of all the shows we've done so far, is yeah. the lowest concept. Yeah, so this, is a, this is our true hangout show. Yeah, yes. it yeah. is. It is. And it's clearly meant, and I have pl I've read plenty of articles over the week about how it was meant to compete with friends and be yeah. the blue collar friends, the, yeah. you know, Molly Ringwald herself in an interview I called it Friends Meets Roseanne because ABC had okay. a, yep. AB, oh, yeah. Yeah. ABC had a real boner for working class sitcoms, which I appreciate. And it was Absolutely. And it was Absolutely. on Wednesday nights alongside the Drew Carey show and Grace Under Fire, which are both right. like very blue, blue you know, blue shows, collar yeah. shows. And honestly, a working class more blue collar sitcom hangout style sitcom about gen xers of that era in a small mm -hmm. town outside boston which slants more toward the stories of the three female characters sounds like a great idea yeah there, yeah and like it being a friends ripoff in no way discounts it from working it's just yeah. more like it 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 it, it there's no reason why you couldn't have done this show and it ha and be great because yeah, ABC. You're right. ABC really did have like uh you know they did have a show boner for yeah for uh, blue collar and like yeah. good they should they most, should the most people who watch sitcoms aren't sitcom writers yeah <laughs> so it's, um, so it makes sense to be like maybe why don't we tell some stories about people who are probably watching this I, I just feel like maybe they rushed to do the show because they wanted their answer to friends and maybe didn't have enough people punching it up or something oh it's funny you should mention though that they were doing that because yeah it aired alongside drew carey and uh and and who'd you say was a great under, under fire yeah interesting both, both shows that work way better than this yeah and, and they ran for several seasons they so like they were they you know like abc was kind of like stealthily like kind of had like a second night of comedy going on yeah yeah whereas you know must see thursday and uh <laughs> between uh what was the simpsons line uh between must see thursday and cbs's craparama set <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Yeah. So, man, uh, where do we start? Where My we start? first yeah. reaction when I started watching this is yeah. that this is the type of sitcom that at that time I would have been super into. Like, I, yeah, wasn't, I, don't, I wasn't aware I don't of this show, it. but like, yeah. it, this is the kind of show I watched. And like a Friends-esque show set in a small fishing village near Boston totally sounds like something I would have been into. Yeah. And I kind of started watching this and I'm like, I want this to work. And... It doesn't make me laugh. It doesn't like the. It doesn't work for me. But I, to be fair, we did laugh out loud every time Conchata Farrell showed course. up on screen, but not because the lines were funny, no, but because are, they were so perfectly stereotypical yeah. grumpy lady Conchata Farrell lines. Those are ironic laughs. Like yeah. Con- Conchata yeah. Farrell comes roaring in with her classic snarky line. We're on episode four of our podcast, and yeah. she's in fifty percent of the shows that we've done so far. <laughs> so like, I was guys, thinking, we're not doing this on purpose. No, this we're just not. Not, happening. not doing this on purpose. But should we come up with a Conchata counter? Yeah, we should, and just keep a yeah. running tally. Th- this is a new little mini segment. Yeah. She yeah. herself is a sitcom trope. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She walks up, leans down on a counter, towel over the shoulder. You mm-hmm. know, delivers that zinger like a ninja, and then swoops yeah. out. I actually audibly like whooped. So for yeah, so for those watching at home, Conchetta Farrell plays the uh, either the, I I don't know. It's not clear in the pilot if she owns the fish shack or if I she's just she another does. waitress. It becomes clear in future episodes that she yeah, owns yeah. it. Yeah, she's in the owner. She's the boss lady. Uh, yeah, and it's you know it's it's some pretty great Conchetta Farrell. Yeah, and like you, you know like and that's the thing is like yeah they're ironic laughs, but on the other hand like. No one delivers a Conchetta Farrell line quite yes. like Conchetta Farrell. It still made me happy, you know. Like yeah, it, it, yeah. you know, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, we kind of, I kind of interrupted you. You're like, I want this to work. I want <laughs> this to work. Like when I first saw things online about, you know, it looks like this is going to be a Friends style show. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be about three men and three women. And when I see by like midway through the first episode that clearly this is really about the three women and that the male characters are like minor supporting roles by comparison, that it really is about the three women and like they are exploring those Gen X mid to late 90s sort of existential crises about career and relationships. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm on board for that. But then the way it's executed, like, am I wrong? Or is the Shannon character played by Jenna Elfman just there for the purpose of slut shaming her? Yeah, com- completely. It, at, least, at least in the pilot, she is. Yeah, um, um, the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, and again, like, uh, Friends uh, carryover times seven. I was watching the pilot and Monica also has like sex with somebody like you know upon first meeting them and apparently it was a huge thing for nbc i read they about were this, worried, yes yeah they were worried about the audience turning on her yeah uh and they and like when they did all the reviews like no one brought it up once yeah and that was three years prior to this yeah Whereas then this show has a real problem yeah. with promiscuity. Yeah. The, yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. I did a deep dive and read a lot of articles from the time. A lot that were written by like smarmy male yeah. television critics. And they were all very mean spirited. 
toward that character specifically and also just toward mm-hmm. uh, Molly Ringwald as well and her performance and how she yeah. didn't live up to her, you know, potential or whatever. Um, but we'll get more into that later. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of the, the 90s were surprisingly puritanical in the United States. Like yes. surprisingly. And I think it's especially for ABC. They like people had a really hard time with yeah, the amount house of mouse, you know, Yeah, like they had a really hard time with the amount of sex talk. And um, I just want to I want to pull something out of one of the articles I read, which is pretty insane. Oh, okay. um, it's like basically talking about Lauren Graham's character and how like slamming the fact that she had a baby before marriage, which is like really wild. Like um, it's, it's weird. While you're looking for that article, <laughs> it's just that baby is also just a punchline in this. Yeah, in this several but times. It's so weird to me that like these three women seem to have been written with the intent of examining views Modern. on sex and relationships in an honest and interesting way, as if it's yeah. like as if there's a draft of script where the goal was not to shame them for yeah. what's happening. Like, yeah, in like the, Lauren, in, Lauren Graham having a character like a baby out of wedlock. I was like, that's really interesting. That, yeah. That's just sort of it. That's just part of the character. You don't see that in 90s TV much. Yeah. And then, of course, it's just used yeah, to kind like, of put her down. Shannon is very like self-assured. She's confident. She doesn't care what people think about the way she lives her life. Like there's something great about the three characters. And then it's almost like the person who came up with the three characters and whoever wrote the script of how those characters actually got treated were two mm-hmm. very different people. Uh, oh, yeah. here, I, I, got, I got it. It's okay. uh, from Go. the Sun Sentinel, which is a some rag out of Florida. And, <laughs> great, uh, great, 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 friend. Now wait. we've alienated the Sun Sentinel's readership. What? City oh, in Florida. <laughs> This uh, is important. I don't know. I Jacksonville? I like, is it Jacksonville? It's probably, I don't know. Tampa. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, so the, it's this guy, Tom uh, Jicka. Okay. So basically the headline is, Townies is another friend's clone gone wrong. Well, duh. But uh, yeah. basically, so this chunk is is the gold here. It's a, the pilot turns on the frantic preparations for Denise's somewhat tardy wedding. Why is it? Oh, oh, wow. That was very cheeky. Yeah, she has to interrupt dress fittings to breastfeed the child that she and her fiancé produced. It's commendable that the two of them are doing the right thing. Wow. But Denise ought to reconsider the long-range prospects for the union. At the 11th hour, her boyfriend Ryan proposes postponing the wedding because it conflicts with a basketball game he wants to see. So basically, this is a sentiment back then. People did not like to, you know, see young women, Gen Xers, having some sort of non-traditional romantic or sex life. Even though Denise is the one getting married, she's being shamed in this article because she had a baby before she got married. It's just wild. And yeah, and there's just, there's several articles and it's a lot of like male critics just being really, really snipey, slut shaming the Shannon character and just talking about uh, the Molly Ringwald character 
as being very boring and kind of a shrew. Just while we were doing that, I I, I did a quick Google and uh, his <laughs> la- the last article I could come up with was from 1999. It was about Dawson's Creek and it, just the sentence, um, it's not playing fair that every homosexual character that walks through Dawson's Creek is painted as sympathetic, but the one- what? but painting the one youth in town who is church-going Christian is a hypocritical basket case. So he's he's got a lot of bones to pick yeah. with a lot. He's got an agenda. Well, every line, maybe not every line, but the 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 first episode is very heavy on dialogue about dating and sex. Yet oh, yeah. yet they yeah. feel uncomfortable treading into that dialogue, but they just keep focusing on it. And there's like no faith in the audience that we'd be willing to suffer through any time spent on actually establishing who anyone is or like mm-hmm. what's going on. But it's funny you should mention that. And it's it's not that we're not learning these other things is that the other stuff we learn uh, through through context whereas they don't do the same for their dating stuff. Like they're pretty good at getting that going without being like, without really hammering it over, hammering it in. But they have no, like they're not able to show any of them on a date to see like, this is what they're up. Like, this is like, the only context we get is like Jenna Elfman's character in this, the second scene of the pilot, they go to their house and she has, uh, she's, been blackout drunk and she had sex with somebody who's just naked in the bathroom um but that's just so the characters can slut shame her yeah Yeah. exactly by actually calling her a slut yeah like like literally a hard s hard s there's no joke molly ringwald just says you're a slut (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i feel like in this show that line of dialogue where she's called a slut so directly oh man could have been a network note of like you can't oh, just you, gotta you can't shame just her. show like yeah. she has to be shamed for this behavior <laughs> hey let's take a down a yeah. peg yeah it's you know there's a lot yeah. of problematic stuff that does not hold up it's overall it's it's very like heteronormative and gender binary it's it's there's just so much establishing of this is what men do this is what women do this is opens on a bathroom yeah oh this is what a men's bathroom is like it's all very binary like it is and it's also like again like i think the biggest problem the show has and this it's through every every single facet of it is these people don't like each other. Yeah. And it is, it's awkward. And it's also like, it's, you know, there are shows where like characters like kind of ragging on each other happens, you know, like Seinfeld, they do it and stuff like that. Uh, or always sunny, but like, you know, like where something like friends works is because at no point do you ever go, why are they friends? Yeah. Like in, in friends or most successful sitcoms, you're like, They enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Yes. These girls do not enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And they really, and the men yeah. really don't enjoy any each other's company. Well, I think the men like each other. They're very bro-y with each other. I think, I mean, I think you I would can say, see. You can I would s- say no, they do not. Because well. like that, the way they don't really converse with each other, they really sure. don't seem to they like They don't have a other. natural rapport. Yeah. But they tolerate yeah. each other. But you yeah. can see the male influence on the writing because the women are kind of 
at each other's throats and they it's like women being pitted against each other that not only happened on screen, but sort of behind the scenes as well. There was no actual feud between the actors that I could find, but the press certainly liked to put. Yeah. Yeah, like they like to put Jenna Elfman up on a pedestal and knock Molly Ringwald down. Oh, Jenna Elfman is like the next brightest star and Molly Ringwald has sunk into a new low and she's never going to recover from this. I mean, at least on the Elfman front, like I get it. Like from the, the second she walks out in this, like she emerged from the womb ready for pilot season. Yeah. And like she (laughs) stayed. Yeah. She stayed pilot aged for about 25 years right and like she is just so at home in a sitcom that like she you know that character could just walk on any other show and just not lose a beat this seems like a suitable moment at this topic cliffhanger to cut in for a commercial break I'd like to give a shout out to our incredibly talented friend, Brian Walker, who created the artwork for That Was a Show. If you're a fan and want to help support the show, or you just like funny cartoon drawings of real people with a 90s color scheme, check out our merch at redbubble.com slash that was a show. Right now, you can get our show poster on everything from t-shirts to mugs, or even those public radio style tote bags. More great designs coming soon, so check it out at redbubble.com slash that was a show. Contest, contest, contest. We're announcing our first ever contest. Want to win a That Was a Show t-shirt? There are two different ways to win. Subscribe to That Was a Show on Apple Podcasts. You know, iTunes. Make sure to rate and review us. Whoever writes the best and funniest review by July 31st, 2020 will get their review read in a future episode and win the first t-shirt. Also, we shared a version of the show artwork on Instagram with our anchor web address at the bottom. Screen grab this and post it on your own Instagram and be sure to tag the show and the other info described in our post, you know, so that we can find you. In your written comments, tell us about your favorite failed or forgotten sitcom from the 80s or 90s. We'll pick our favorite to win the second t-shirt, and if we really like your idea, maybe it'll even be a future episode. Do this by July 31st, 2020. Contest, contest, contest. (laughs) I guess this is what happens when you're living in isolation and you're bored and you're researching a show like this, and I needed to know if Jenna Elfman is related to Danny Elfman, the famous composer. And See, this is this is I didn't realize that I needed an answer to this question, but please tell me I needed an answer <laughs> to this question. And so, as it turns out, uh, she was born Jennifer Butala. She married uh, a guy named Bodie Elfman about one year before making this show Townies Great and name. took his name. And that's why she's known as Jenna Elfman. But she was Jennifer Butala. Now. Bodie Elfman is indeed the nephew of composer Danny Elfman. Boom. Now, I also found out from Wikipedia that they are both Scientologists. And I would research that further, but I really don't care. But young me definitely had a crush on her. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's got that vibe that. Yeah. Like the bear, the young Barry vibe. Yeah, that- <laughs> yeah, no, but any any guy that I would have been friends with or oh, I, dated, I totally had a crush on. Yeah, her. had a crush yeah, on Jenna Elfman. Like it's that kind of <laughs> that kind of nerdy guy who 
you know, like it. Yeah. She fits into that archetype. She led a movie. Oh Jesus! Called I think it's called Playing the Faith. Keeping and the faith. Keeping the faith with like with uh, her, Edward Norton. Norton and uh, is Matt McConaughey in that too, or no? Oh, Maybe man. not. Did you call him Matt McConaughey? I like did. you know him? <laughs> I did. Oh, it's it's no, it's uh, it's Stiller. It's Stiller. <gasps> oh, okay, interesting. Oh, sorry. What, but for... Was she in a movie with Matthew McConaughey? Oh, very no. likely. Ed TV, is... I think. How, how? Yeah, she's. You're right. She's the female lead in Ed TV. Yeah. The uh, the log line for keeping the faith. Two friends, a priest and a rabbi, fall in love with the same woman they knew in their youth. But the religious position of both men denies them romance. Good Classic. lord. Wow. I went, That's a joke I went, that takes place in a canoe, but somehow expanded <laughs> into a show. Uh, no, it's a movie. It was a full movie. A canoe joke into a movie. Uh, and I went and saw it in theaters. <laughs> right off the bat. I thought Ron Livingston is delivering a perfect version of Chandler Bing. Oh yeah. If Chandler was never if Chandler if it's like Chandler without any of the likable parts. Yeah. Yeah. And if if Chandler were someone who just like negged women, uh Yeah, which <laughs> constantly Which maybe he did er, sometimes. Er, early early Chandler is not not negging women a lot fair 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 yeah this is a like a lower energy kind of mopier small fishing village don't want to really live there it's sleazy chandler bin he lives with his parents he's like kind of a drunk uh yeah. and he's like really creepy and pervy does he live with his parents or does he live with her parents no Carrie's parents. No, 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 no. He, no he lives with his mother no he lives with his mother which is great because towns it it makes so sense yeah, so yeah, that yeah. his character. No, there's yeah. a scene where he's with her family, but he's just over for dinner, basically. Yeah. Okay, just, so like, she dinner. lives because with her parents. She lives with her parents. Yes. He lives with his parents. Yeah, and they go to each other's houses. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they're they're like like the, what the they're the, all childhood the, best friends. They're childhood best friends, which makes their interactions not nearly as creepy. But they just, uh, but like they're supposed to be like thirty, right? Yeah, they don't, well, they're like twenty. They don't, es like they don't establish 20s. that they don't establish that they've known each other that long. Yeah, enough for yeah, me enough. for those yeah. scenes exactly. not for those scenes not to play off as creepy. Right. Yeah, like you know, like their interactions in one of the yeah. first scenes are literally just Ron go Livingston saying, "Go out with me." No, yeah. go out with me. No, go out with me. No. I think part of the problem with, with Kurt's character is that Ron Livingston is too good of an actor. Yeah. And Ron Livingston doesn't play him sitcom -y enough. Mm, yeah, that's an interesting too. point. He invests he invests him in the sleaze, so you're like, this is a real guy. This is yeah. a real, like, lonely, like loser yeah. type guy. Yeah. And then like if he was playing these lines a little sitcomier, they would maybe land a little funnier and like not like have you instantly think, oh God, this is dark. <laughs> and I mean, I've always had a bit of a crush on him, but not in this show. In this show, <laughs> no, I no. was deeply, deeply yeah. uncomfortable. I'm also a fan and I of him normally, and I feel like yeah. the reason yeah. he doesn't work in townies is for the yeah. same reason he's great in office space <laughs> because yeah. he's able to make you feel like in this comedic absurdist setting, he's yeah, very yeah, yeah. real. Yeah. And yeah, because he plays comedy like a dramatic actor. Like he, yeah. 
he does he does well when the script when the funny is situational and not mm-hmm. in the dialogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's um, good. Yeah, he's really good at character based stuff. Yeah, um, deeper character based. So there's stuff. our so there's our little dissection of Ron Livingston. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about the other really dark beat in the in the show? The rape. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's. Uh, how do we? We should well, have. Well. A- yeah. So the reason, um, the girls kind of have a falling out at the end of the pilot is because Denise is very adamant about uh, Shannon not having sex with her brother, who is newly engaged and has kind of a past with Shannon, and he's in town for the wedding. So most of the episode is spent uh, with Denise pleading and begging with Shannon to not have sex with her brother. They have a bit of a reunion at the diner and there's like some sexual tension and, you know, but it seems like Shannon is like sticking to her guns and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. But then after the like very boring bachelorette party, uh, the, the girls kind of separate and they have a bit of a, you know, like a a little tiff. And Shannon goes back home and suddenly gets this like aggressive pounding at her door. She answers the door to find Denise's brother on the other side and he kind of pushes his way in. Yeah, he pushes his way in and then instantly starts pushing into her like in a very aggressive way. Yeah. Oh yeah, and his facial expression is not, there's nothing comedic about there's nothing no. at all it's just this dark yeah maybe another instance of like patrick fabian the actor who plays a brother maybe another instance of you he's not playing this sitcom so it gets really uncomfortable yeah. yeah yeah and he's just very determined that he's gonna have sex with her and he's just using all this language like you know, oh, you loved me in high school. And he's just like inching closer to her and she's backing and he away. he pops his shirt off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he thrusts his crotch toward her and is like, you know, there's some sort of like scuffle where he's trying to get her to unbuckle his pants. And then at that moment, the other girls burst into the the apartment and they're basically, the response is, Shannon, how could you do this? Da, da, da. And it's like, he, he was being a predator. Yeah, and then yeah. she plays <laughs> she, it as she, if it's funny where she's, she's like, like, oh, I bet this, I looks, bet bad. this looks bad. It is such a disturbing scene that I would imagine it watching it it would be triggering for people. That's how bad it is. And the yeah. way that it's shot and acted plays as a scene from a drama. It doesn't yeah. even seem like they're attempting to make it a scene in a sitcom. Even the parts of this show that did work for me, like... Mm. I actually want to learn more about the three women who are in this show. But the yeah. more of it I watched, the more I felt like they are developing as characters in a drama. It does feel like the makings of one of those 90s soapy kind of mm-hmm, shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would work in a... Who's that guy? Aaron Spelling. It would work in an Aaron Spelling show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, like a, Mel- a Melrose place, a Melrose place, like to have this dynamic between these three women. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It just doesn't land as comedy. And that's another thing where, like, it just feels so weird to constantly put these main characters in in conflict with each other, in non comedic conflict with each other. Yes, where it's like, yes, 
uh, you know, like, again, I hate to keep coming back to Friends, but since this show is just Friends in, in small town Massachusetts, it's bound to. The Friends over time would obviously come into conflict with each other, but they really built up to it to the point where, like, those fights would matter. Whereas yeah. this is like, all we know about them is that they don't get along very well. It's almost as if the implication is they're only friends with each other because there's no other women their age around. And this is sort yeah. of what they're stuck with. I mean, that's a thing, though. Which might it's be a, a thing, thing. But it's also like, it's a sitcom writer being like, thank God I didn't end up like with these girls I went to high school with yeah. who were doing this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That joke when uh, they're sitting on a dock and they're like kind of gazing down at the water and it ends with Shannon talking to the fish through a megaphone. And it felt oh. like that joke lasted several beats too long. But the thing is, like, it was one of those moments where on one level I appreciated it because because it, it was the first and maybe only thing in the whole pilot where it felt like they were taking some sort of creative swing. Yeah. And it yeah. didn't work and it didn't make didn't me work. laugh, but it, it was something. Yeah. It was doing something. I feel like that was her manic pixie dream girl moment. For me, it was, it's, it was just a Phoebe Buffet joke. Yeah. It was a joke that yeah. would have worked on Phoebe. Also, I feel like that's a drunk girl thing to do. I'm sure I would have done that <sighs> if I were like three sheets to the wind <laughs> um, on a dock. I, I guess that's another thing we can briefly dive into. Like that. That scene mostly works. That scene. So there's a scene in the middle where they're having their, they're having like a heart to heart yep. because it's their bachelorette mm -hmm. party and they're just sitting on uh on the end of a dock, and they're having some beers together. And it, it's a scene that it works. Unfortunately, it very quickly like dissolves into conflict yeah. again. Yeah. Because they couldn't they couldn't have a single scene of these girls hanging out without one of them getting on the other one yeah. for something. Well, and that's that. It kind of summarizes the best of the potential this show has and the mm -hmm. reason why it doesn't live up to that potential. Yeah. Because a scene like that at the beginning, I thought, okay, this is actually endearing me to the show. And then it goes back into this unnecessary yeah. conflict, jokes that don't land. But why can't we just get to have them be if friends with each other? Yeah. If these characters hung out, liked each other, and like just... You know, like if they got along, like the characters of Friends or whatever, the show would uh, would probably work. The three of them are good together. All three of them are uniquely they're very talented performers. Um, yeah. You know, you could have you could have kicked the male the 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 male supporting cast to the curb, and 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 then not only that, but with the three of them hanging out, you would have put yourself in a very unique position in that. There wasn't a female hangout show going on at that point. Right. Exactly. If you kept the three of them, made them genuine friends where you can see that they like hanging out together and ditched yeah. the entire rest of the cast, now yeah. you've got yourself a show. Yeah. I mean, please, you know, give me Aaron. some Conchetta Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> In episode two, and this builds with each episode, they keep trying to do more and more of the Boston area accent. With each oh, passing nice. episode. Yeah. So in the pilot, there's virtually none. In episode mm -hmm. two, the first the first time I noticed it was Molly Ringwald attempting the accent yeah. in a scene in episode two where I'm like, if I hadn't already watched episode one where she doesn't do it at all, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have minded it because she did it in a way that was like suitably subtle. But mm -hmm. I feel like Billy Burr 
is there in this <laughs> show largely because he's actually from that area and he's the only one who has the legitimate way of speaking. But has none of it in the pilot either. But none of it in none the pilot. It. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It like comes and goes, the accents. Like it's just kind of yeah, in and out. Yeah, comes and goes randomly. By episode yeah. three or four, Ron Livingston is doing a full Boston accent. Yeah. And it doesn't work. No. <laughs> but by God, he is he's putting in the effort. Like, <laughs> as you say, he's a solid actor. He's doing the yeah. work. One thing I just wanted to note, because I know that you love uh, production design stuff, Barry, is... Did you notice in the- I love the diner so much. I really, <laughs> I really liked the diner set. It had layers to it. I liked the kitchen. Oh, I was all over that set. In the fish diner, did you notice the little <laughs> black and white photo of John F. Kennedy up in the I restaurant? Did, I did not, but that's a very nice touch. Now, this was all shot, I believe, according to IMDb, in studio and backlot in LA. And 100%. Um, I think that's kind of unfortunate because even though like obviously we know that most sitcoms are, but there's something about this town where I just wish we had that extra bit of authenticity of more like legitimate exteriors in a seaside village in but Massachusetts. Know, but, you, but you know what? And that's the version. Of, and hell, maybe this is a new this is a new segment. What version of the show works? A version of this show works as uh, an hour long drama. And then you could have plenty of location shooting. Yes. Hour long like, drama, make the three of them legitimate friends and shoot yeah. it in Massachusetts. And then I'm on board. Um, can we just, I, I feel like we could probably get the rights to this show, right? Yeah. Like, we could re, we could just yeah. remake this as a drama. There actually is a, dr uh, a drama called Townies. I don't know if you guys I, saw I, it like, from yeah, a, a couple I, I, of years ago. I noticed ago. that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's completely different. It's a great, you know, it's a good title. Yeah. It's a good, good title. It says all you really need. <laughs> Let's talk about our sitcom library of tropes. I don't think I really had any specific tropes to add in this. I mean, the whole show is, is it's a hangout show. It's, yeah. it's a stereo, you know, that's a type of sitcom. I would say if we want to do it like real quickly, Conchetta yeah. Farrell. <laughs> Conchetta Farrell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There's your sitcom trope. Conchetta Farrell. So Conchetta Farrell, as a person and every character she has ever played, is officially in the library. For 90s sitcoms specifically, Generation X career and relationship angst, where they question the institution of marriage, question whether there's any point in having specific career ambitions. But yeah, can that be a trope? Like Generation X career and relationship angst. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why was it canceled? All right. Uh, Bring, why do you think this was canceled? Because the creators and writers hated women and it just wasn't funny. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, I don't think there's any better way to put it. Cause that's, that's pretty much exactly why it's canceled. It was canceled. I think <laughs> we got into this a bit, but I think, I think. Uh, Bryn needs to do the spinoff. Well, actually, I feel like I don't even have to do the spinoff because everyone knows where all these people ended up. Yeah, I think this is one of those rare cases where I think we can skip it because if you don't know who Lauren Graham, Jenna Elfman, Ron Livingston, or Molly Ringwald are, and even I Bill Burr, think, I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think you're listening to this show. They're all prolific. Yep, everybody who has a good speaking role in this. Uh, 
later went on to work more. Rightfully so. They're all very talented performers. Oh, hey, I don't know if we pointed this out. I pointed this out when we were watching it, but uh, did anybody else catch Lee Garlington uh, as the uh, as Molly Ringwald's mother, who is also in the pilot to Seinfeld? I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, she was the proto-Elaine, the diner waitress in uh, Monks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess that kind of leads to one of our wrap-up segments, as usual. We're, we're getting to 60 Degrees of Friends. But uh, since this show is so very similar to Friends, I'm guessing we're not too far removed. Yeah, Barry, you would be right. Uh, it's very, very close. Um, it has one degree, once again, because of our girl Connie uh, Farrell. She did one episode, so it has the exact same connection as Teen Angel had. <laughs> and okay we have pamela fryman who is a very prolific television director one of the only solidly working female television directors that was working back in the 90s uh she directed both friends and townies okay so for the non-conchetta feral non-director version of six degrees of friends so if we're only talking about the main cast of townies we can safely say that townies is two degrees separated from friends two times over Ooh. firstly we have ron livingston who plays kurt on townies he went on to be in one of my all-time favorite movies office space where his co-star and love interest was none other than Jennifer Aniston, who, of course, played Rachel Green in Friends. So, boom, two degrees. Love it. What's the other two degrees? So, that would be Lauren Graham. Oh. Lauren Graham, who plays Denise on Townies, went on to do a few episodes of the short-lived drama Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, and her co-star in that show was, of course, Matthew Perry, who played none other than Chandler Bing on Friends. Another two degrees. Barry. Yo. Barry, you are a coked-out TV producer in the 1990s. I'm a network executive. Pitch me townies. Okay, I think I can probably pull this one off. Hey, Aaron! You know the hit NBC show Friends? Mm -hmm. Well, what if we did that exact same show set in small town Massachusetts, except there's a twist. Go on. Here's the twist. All the Friends characters, they openly seem to loathe each other in a way that's not even remotely comedic. It just reveals deep-seated insecurities in both the characters and the writers. That's it. That's my show. Honestly, you had me at Friends. This was fun. We had a lot of laughs. But some things are no laughing matter. What lesson did we all learn from today's show? Well, if you want to make a knockoff of the show Friends, you gotta maybe write characters that actually like each other. <laughs> well, I guess I'll be seeing you guys virtually real soon. Uh, this is fun doing our first... Uh... COVID-19 socially responsible social distancing uh, episode. Yep. Yeah. Stay home. Stay safe. If you're feeling anxious or down or just bored, pick up the phone, pick up the Zoom, reach out to talk to somebody. We're all in this together. We will make it through this and keep sharing some laughs. 
until next time, you two, and also for uh, everybody listening. Thanks for listening. And cut to credits. That was a show is a production of Radio Gizmo. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram for info about upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends about it. Next time on That Was a Show. He definitely has that like 90s, I don't know what you'd call him, hunky, hunky deadbeat. I've always wanted to be a 90s hunky deadbeat. (laughs) Just the undershirt and the leather jacket, that hair. Those pecs. (laughs) Radio Gizmo.